0: Ew, Here
1: he is. What's Daddy? going on?
0: Uh, just fucking living the dreamer, man.
1: Starting with good,
0: you. mate. Just away up in the hills of Byron Bay.
1: Are you um? Are you at Byron at the moment?
0: Yeah, just inland from Byron, about forty minutes up in the hinterland.
1: What's happening out there? Three day ceremony. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. You, just you and Scotty, you and the family. Like, what's the dynamic?
0: No, just so every time I step in the ceremony, um, I've had a few in like, it's like uh, exemptions where I've brought someone to my house, but yeah. no, know, know the person deeply enough to trust them in that space. But yeah, and this one wasn't to do with that, but more of let's create a neutral environment where we can be in the space just completely segregated from anything else and just be in the moment. So a very yeah. close friend of mine and I took a t- took our time to come up here and, and be at this place for three days.
1: Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, the, are you st- I used to, I want to go back to what we're talking about, but I just saw your ears. Are you stretching your ears or are they just different spaces? Like are they different spaces. They, right. It looks bigger. The stretch looks bigger.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause usually I've just got
1: the black ones. That oh, sit the in. solid wood ones yeah
0: but oh, yeah. um so of late i've been doing a lot of energetic work and my body yeah. runs off specific lines and if i don't ground well enough the energy can't flow out my body and yeah. the wood block the wood blocks it especially around my jaw because i get a lot of clenching of the jaw when energy's wow. built up and so opening them up allows energy to flow
1: yeah right interesting um yeah so yeah you're away even like i imagine there's like a fair bit of thought that goes into like the The accommodation that you're going to pick for them three days, would that be fair to say?
0: Yeah, man. I like to pick something that's, you know, not isolated, but away from major towns, major cities, usually on a property where we can walk around and ground on on land. Yeah. And then if the if the dwelling is part of a property, how far that is away from the main house? Because Energy, like external energy impacts the space. You know, yeah. if there's, if there's animals, kids, whatever, running around, Even it really impacts fucking the space.
1: Car. Like you hear a fucking car, like just like something, right?
0: Massively, man. And, and that's a big impact, Um, you know, because the work is very, very sacred People are going through a very vulnerable transformation. yeah. And that if there's distraction, if there's, External variables that are impacting it can really interfere with the process itself.
1: So the three it's a three-day thing, or it's a one-day thing with a day either side?
0: Three-day thing. So the whole three days is strategically based around the whole the whole transformation. So we may drop in two or three times. One may may be a micro, one macro, maybe two macros, and then the final days more of a micro as well. And the way that I work so i do single days and i do three days single yeah, days and, are
1: or psilocy- psilocybin is a like what is it
0: depends Not on the that. person and and what their energy is really calling for like i predominantly work with psilocybin right now yeah. um but can facilitate with mdma ketamine ayahuasca wachuma, all the things but it's just like reading and and connecting to the human where they're at in life what their intentions are and then identifying which medicine is going to be calling to that person's transformation.
1: Yeah. It's like a prescription almost, right? It's like, Hey, like if you go to, if you're like, Hey, this is what, these are my symptoms. This is what I want to try to get out, or this is what I need help with. And then you fucking wrangle up that concoction and you go through that ceremony i'd imagine (laughs) exactly
0: but like for Um, some people you know they may not have worked with plant-based medicines or psychedelics before and so to drop them in on an ayahuasca journey can be quite intense and oftentimes not needed you know for me i i worked with psilocybin first on my own and then went to ayahuasca and then like had a like a turn my life around instantly turn my life around but I was in the space of transformation where I was ready to accept all responsibility
1: of my life and ready to do the work. Yeah. Um, When you're doing like, is there like a lead up? Like I imagine there's like a, like a lead up towards like this three days or whatever, three days, right? Like, is that, is there like a best practice? Like you don't use alcohol for three months. Is it that you fucking don't eat meat or you only eat meat? Like, is there certain things that, that help that ceremony?
0: Definitely, man. So that's called the dieta and it's like the diet, right? Like the yeah. Peruvians call it the diet. And if you went to the jungle and were sitting with shamans in the jungle, you'd spend two weeks prior on dieta and then you'd get there for three days and go through a specific plant-based diet. So they'll utilize different plants to work with the medicine that they're using. But for me here, we I, I go with a practice of um, seven to 14 days, depending on the person's um in that, like lifestyle diet at that point in time and we will remove meat caffeine alcohol tobacco sex even we remove that yep. as well and we focus on mainly organic plant-based diet with specific protocols leading into the ceremony as well yeah
1: interesting um so when you sort of started playing around uh, was that like microdosing psilocybin by yourself in your own house like just testing and trialing it is that what
0: you're doing? I went all in, so yeah. I was I was like at the darkest moment of my life. Like I was. What year
1: was this? How long ago?
0: Two thousand and so I've been studying it for three years, and then decided to drop in in two thousand and eighteen. I decided yeah. to drop myself in. Yeah. And I was I owned and ran a gym in West Sydney. Yeah. And I. had, connected with uh this specific human being who got me um the ability to communicate with this this tribe here in australia from northern rivers to do ayahuasca and while i was connecting with this person they said have you tried psilocybin and i'd been studying i was like no i haven't but i'm open to it and they They supported me, got me some medicine. And then uh, one day I was sitting in the gym and I was just like, I was cleaning it and I was just so unhappy, man. I was so depressed, suicidal tendencies. And I was like, okay, now's the time. Like I'm going to drop in. So I closed the the windows, I closed the blinds, I put music on, put the incense on, I sat in the middle of the gym. I took my dose and then I was just in.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um yeah that's so cool and that was so it was almost like whilst there was planning and there was a lot of thought and and energy towards it it was like an impulsive like the the act of it it was like fuck it, it's now
0: man i was like i had i had been to so many like sessions with therapists i'd been in and out of medical for the two years prior to that because i was medically discharged from the military so i was going through an assessment as a veteran i'd spent you know, in one year I'd spent 30 plus hours in an MRI machine going in and out, in and out, in and out. And then therapists where, you know, DVA supplied me with three specific therapists. The first one didn't resonate. I said, I don't want to continue this. I want to go to someone else. Second one was the same. And then the third one was this retired guy. He was like, look, this is the first session. He goes, sit down he whips out a sandwich. He started eating his sandwich. He's like spilling it all over the joint. He's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm retiring in three weeks. So tell me what you want, but you know, like whatever. And I'm just like, you fucking kidding me. And I'm like, look, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to open up to you. I'm not going to open up to you. And so it was like, what else? And I, I, I was so confident with what I'd been researching and studying and who I was studying with. And I asked their, their advice as well, the people I'd been studying with. I'm like, look, am I safe enough to do this? And they're like, yeah. how, how brave are you to lean into your shadows? And I said, well, yeah. I'm in the darkest moment of my life. It's now or yeah. nothing. And yeah. they're like, well, do yeah. it.
1: Do it. So did you do ayahuasca before you done psilocybin? Or what, what way was that?
0: Psilocybin first, then ayahuasca. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and then, so after you tried that, you had like an amazing, like it was, what was it that was so good about it? Was it clarity thereafter? Or was it like um, security in yourself to know that, there was more than you just, you know, being unhappy in fucking Western Sydney, the gym, what was it?
0: Psilocybin opened my awareness It like, reminded me of the beauty of life itself. Yeah. And then also reminded me that the season I was going through was a season. It wasn't long-term and I had absolute control and responsibility of who I was and what I was doing. Yeah. So after I had that clarity and I don't need one session so still Simon.
1: When you say that, like it was like when you had like, so what it, it was like, you were aware of that you were in that position because of your previous actions. And you're also, it was also up to you to dig yourself out. Is that what you kind of mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then once I... Were you
1: blaming I, people? Were you like, ah, oh, fuck, this isn't fair. That isn't fair. Why me kind of?
0: not so much the why me or blaming people, but I had a lot of resentment and animosity to specific people and things that were happening in my life at that time. And yeah. definitely victim mindset, not necessarily blaming or passing off blame, but very much like, like victim mindset, like it's not fair. It's not fair. Why the fuck am I going through this? Like Cass and I were behind like two months of rent. We were yeah. broke as fuck. Cause I wasn't earning anything. I just yeah. opened this gym we just had Bill, so she had to go back to work and and provide a revenue for our household. Um, I was looking after Bill while I was running the gym, so I'd take him to the gym, and he was, like, not coping. And yeah. I was going through the divorce officially. Yeah. I was separated from my other children, like 50-50, so I was separated 50% of the time. I was struggling with... um in my family at the time because Cass and I weren't really being received in it, in my family. Yeah. And then some friends, like, cause I'd left the military, it was my family. And when I left, everybody just smoke bombed, man, like yeah. nobody hung around. And so I was really struggling with the identity shift and the transition yeah, yeah, yeah. out. And so, yeah, le- getting that clarity of like, Hey, well, yeah, this is a season it's fucking yeah. shit, but you're in control. You're the one that needs to change this. And yeah. then divine intervention the ayahuasca ceremony popped up it was like four days up in the blue mountains three days with ayahuasca and i remember the first night i sat with it i was just like oh right (laughs) i'm creating this turmoil and i'm the one that can fix it
1: wow what um can you remember like your first um like when you first learn about psilocybin or ayahuasca can you remember what it was like was it did it? was it something you read or was it something that someone said um and the reason why was- I ask that is because I'll um I remember the first time I ever heard of ayahuasca which was about um uh, what are we now it was about eight years ago or nine years ago I heard it on a podcast that Aubrey yeah. Marcus was on and I was like <laughs> Uh, it was, they, when they were talking about it, I was in a coal mine, like I was working in the mines yeah. and I heard it and um, I can't remember, it wasn't Aubrey's podcast, it was someone else's podcast, but they were, t- and they were interviewing a chick that used to work for CNN that fucking mm-hmm. quit a job and went to Peru, done a ceremony and fucking changed her life. And I was yeah. like, I was so mind blown with the concept, not only of like what ayahuasca was, as like their medicine itself. But I was like, I was really blown away with how open and honest these guys were being on like a public forum because even podcasts weren't, podcasts weren't that big. Then it was, this is like, it might've been, yeah, like nearly 10 years ago. There's like yeah. podcasts weren't a thing. It was like, wow, these guys are being very open, honest, vulnerable about how they're doing drugs. That's how I perceived it. It was like, wow, these guys are doing fucking gnarly drugs and telling stories about it. Um, but yeah. it was also like a weird thing because these were very situationally status. Like they had a high status. She so had like a really high paying job on CNN and blah, 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 blah. So that was like my first understanding of it. Um, and yeah, that what, what was yours? Like, how did you learn about it initially?
0: It first popped up on podcasts for me too. So yeah. um, a buddy of mine, Mike Bletso, used to run a podcast called Barbell Shrugged. Yeah. And it was
1: like the number to to one. Yeah, so you know, bro, it was like the first. So that was I was introduced to that podcast. It was that and Rogan that introduced me to podcast. Full me, stop. Too. Like I, yeah. me too. Yeah, me too. So being in the stre-
0: strength, and conditioning industry, I resonated with Barbell Shrugged and yeah. Mike and the crew. And Mike was talking about it. This was like maybe eight or nine years ago. Mike was talking about it, and I was like, "What is this thing?" And then at that time, I was studying um, uh, human behavior psychology. And I was uh, reading a lot of Graham Hancock's books. Yeah. And then Graham was talking about it as well. And he was referring to it. Um, there was some images and, and literature that were written on the pillars of Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. Yeah, And he was talking about how psilocybin was found on the pillars, or at least the mushroom symbol was found on the pillars. And I'd heard it on Mike's podcast, and then listening to Mike, I started listening to Aubrey. Listening to Aubrey, I started listening to uh, Rogan, and then I was watching. I started studying with Paul Check, and these conversations were happening more and more and more. And then ayahuasca popped up, and then I was like, okay, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take some time to really study what these medicines are, where they come from, what they're what they've been utilized for. And I wasn't ready to go to the jungle. It was super intimidating to me.
1: Yeah. But, yeah.
0: And as a way to like bridge the gap, the universe was like, here you go, well, here's someone in Australia you can go and sit with. And the Ayahuasca who ran the ceremony in Australia had been in Peru for 10 years studying with the center dame church. Yeah. And so she had like, she'd been immersed in it. And so I, I trusted that her wisdom and experience was what it was. And, I'd heard a lot about her as well. So I was was trusting in that. Um, And it's funny because Mike and I um, reconnected after my ayahuasca ceremony and I joined the strong coach when he turned it to the strong coach. Yeah, And I was a student for a year and then became the facilitator for breath work and nervous system regulation inside of the strong coach. And then, not last year, before I went to the Strong Coach Summit and I facilitated and spoke there as a keynote speaker. Wow. Thanks. So. And I remember the first night I got to meet Mike in the flesh, he come up to me and he's like, because we've been connecting and I told him all the stories. And I'm just like, bro, you fucking changed my life. Thank you so much. Yeah. And he's like, man, he goes, your story's not uncommon because mine was very, very similar. And then uh, last year before the run, he reached out to me after the the summit. He's like, hey, well, I'm going to shoot a documentary in Peru with um, one of the veteran organizations. We're doing an ayahuasca documentary. Um, can you send me some of your breathwork stuff? Because we're going to do it while we're there. And it like it really grounded the cycle. Like It allowed mm-hmm. my hero's journey to complete itself so that I could move on to the next chapter. Yeah. And that's when I started stepping more into being like, all right, I know my shit. I'm confident with my shit. I've been working with this shit for a while now. I'm not, I'm not the, I don't know it all. I'm always a student. And I think that's the main, that's the main piece that a lot of facilitators miss is that like we're students all the time, every ceremony I ever run, I'm still learning because every human's different. And so. I um, I actually think it's
1: not even just in that space, right? That's in business. That's in fatherhood. That's like people that think that they know it all are just, they shut themselves off for growth. And I think that's also what stops people from like, even for you, Liz. like when Mike reached out to you and said, Hey, Will, can I have basically your IP to use? You're like, Oh wow. Like this person that I respect, like sees value in what I've put together on my work is like, maybe I can help more people. Or maybe that I have now the confidence to go and do this. And I think that's what happens. What stops people from starting businesses is because they're like, I I don't know enough. Therefore I need to keep learning. It's like, no, no, no just fucking use what you do know and then learn it all along the way because yeah, we'll never be like, yeah. Because you'll never be like, Oh yeah, cool. I know all about businesses. Now I can go and start a business. That's not how it works.
0: Nah, Um, it's, it's so dynamic, man. Like it's not, it's not a straight line. Like I, I say this all the time, like healing is not a straight line. You know, we don't heal in a straight line and every, every moment I get to be present in the learning, like being a student, a white belt mentality is where the growth is, you know, even sitting with Mike in ceremony while I was in, in Texas. Like I remember connecting with him and he come out and he's just like, and I was facilitating. He's just like, fuck man. Like I've done some breath work before. I've been with some of the best in the world. Cause he's good networking. He's like, I've been with some yeah. of the best in the world, but like, I fucking didn't know I could do that. You know, I didn't know that was accessible. And so that really triggered the, triggered the momentum for me of being like, oh shit like you remove imposter syndrome it's like yeah you just got to start man like you just got to yeah. start and do the thing
1: yeah because that's it. like it when you say that is, it's like and again it's it's by if you're worried about what other people perceive you or how they perceive you, then you'll never fucking do anything right. Because like imagine if you, you know, you start posting some breathwork stuff on Instagram and people are like, who the fuck do you think you are? Wim Hof, you know, look at this kind thinks he's Wim Hof. It's like like it, it, everyone just goes to that. Same as like you could start, you know, talking about plant medicines. It's like, oh, who the fuck's this guy think he is? Aubrey Marcus? It's like <laughs> like but again, like half <laughs> the time when you do that. Um, you build like this reputation and resume of you, you are that guy, you know? Yeah. Um, and you can just because like Wim Hof is Wim Hof, Aubrey's like, they're all, everyone's different. You might play in the same space, but you will bring things that them other guys don't and vice versa.
0: Man, that is so close to home. Cause like it's been two weeks since I decided to be like, all right, I'm going to talk about this shit publicly. You know, I'm going to yeah. start talking because I was inspired by Aubrey and 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 Mike and Joe. Like they started talking about these scenes which brought it online, you know, yeah. like these people paved the way for people to start talking about and experiencing it. And it's even like if you looked at the statistics, people going to Peru for ayahuasca like increased after Joe started talking about it. And then yeah. the more that Aubrey spoke about it, like all the retreats in Peru were like booked out for years, you know, wow. because people like, oh sweet. So two weeks and i've had trolls like i've had trolls drop in and they're like what the fuck but man for me it's not that it's 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 one modality out of many modalities that can improve mental health and that's the thing i'm so so driven for is improving the narrative of mental health now if you come to one of my retreats the the way we do things may be similar to other retreats you've been to but the focus is on mental health and that is connecting with human beings you know, connecting to community connecting back to self like finding who we are what's got us stuck how we can improve that that we're absolutely responsible for who we are and then moving through that with these techniques or modalities and it's not always psychedelics or plant medicines although the the potential for greater health does lie in that space yeah the fear around that is though that people have this, this concept that it is, they are drugs or they're illegal or all the things. And that's all well and good until you're in the space and you've done the work and you're like, these things fucking changed my life.
1: And I think too, um, also like if that person that, that is contemplating receiving that medicine, isn't like that, maybe their diet is completely fucked. Maybe they're an alcoholic. Maybe they're not really ready to experience it or change. Like that, like you should. You're not ready for it yet, right? Because then they they do drop in and they fucking freak out, and then it's like that that's fucking poison. Do not do that thing. It didn't fucking work for me. It's like well, you weren't ready for it, or you weren't in a position. It's like when when I quit smoking, I, I used to smoke for ten years, man. So when I was like sixteen to like fucking um, twenty three, or probably like four, not quite ten years, and um and I just. I fucking had enough one day. I'm like, this is, f- I've, I've, I'm have I've. over this. My wife didn't smoke. She hated it. And it was controlling my life. And I felt like a fucking moron. Um, and then it was on my, I, I rang a hit. I, I tried to stop cold Turkey. I'd done fucking like, a champ or the medicine, blah, 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 blah. And not always went back to it. And uh, one day I was like, fuck it. I've had enough. I rang a, um, fucking, um, what are they called? Uh, they, hypnotherapist under. yeah yeah, yeah. Hit me. like uh, i rang a hypno i got hypnotized and um the only appointment i can get was on the 17th of may which was my birthday and i'm like well fuck i can't do it then like can we do it on the 18th because i'm going to go to the pub and get drunk and when i get drunk i smoke and then she's like no i've only got that appointment so i'm like fuck it if you're going to do it you got to do it i went there that morning on my birthday got hypnotized i'd never been hypnotized before it was the most fucking amazing feeling ever um this is in newcastle some random hypnotherapy chick's house in Newcastle. Um I got hypnotized, spent an hour and a half with her. And the um she goes back and like is like, hey, like what is c- smoking to you? Like there's some sort of fucking key point that we need to sort of identify and uncover. We done that. And then I walked out of there and I haven't had a cigarette since then over 10 years. I never like no. not even, I wouldn't even consider having a even a puff of a cigarette. Um, and it, it was amazing because I was in a I was in a I was ready to do it and I, yeah. if I wasn't ready to do it, then I don't think that hypnotherapy will work. Like there's a component yeah. of the tool. And then the other component is like you as a person, are you ready to receive it? Um, and I, I think it's similar. I'm just going to guess, but I think it's similar to like the, the ayahuasca and the psilocybin It's like, you have to be ready and you have to be willing for it to, and, and allow it. Cause I've heard some pretty crazy stories about ayahuasca as well. Um, and I think there's some people have some bad experiences with it. Um, just as as a good experience. And I think there's probably some um, underlying things that, you know, outside it's like a nightmare. Like you don't necessarily want to have a nightmare, but there's something in you. There's some sort of something in your mind that creeps up and you have that experience. Um, Well, this is why
0: it's so important. Like for me as a facilitator, I always make sure we have a consult, we engage in conversation and connection prior to it. So we have the date set about a month to two months out And in that time, we go through uh, a readiness program or a a preparation program that is more of a a psychological component. Yes, there's physical aspects of nutrition and movement and all the things, but more of an emotional component where it's like, all right, you need to be of the understanding that once you step into this space, you are going to be confronted with things from your past, things that are present, and they're going to be very overwhelming and they're going to seem pretty dark. And we'll go through how to process, what to look for, how to discover, how to integrate, how to ask for help, how to be supported, so that they can feel absolutely confident and safe enough in their own body, because this is all happening inside of our own body, that whatever comes is coming for a reason. And these are the things that we're asking for because we're, um, you know, ultimately asking for that shift in consciousness so that life's not what it is because we're unhappy in the space of life and, when we're faced with those things, it's important to note that it it will pass. Like this too shall pass is quite a common phrase inside the the medicine space. And when it does pass, knowing that there's a bit of gold there for you to take and put into your life. Like if you're confronted with a nightmare, which I have many times, like ayahuasca was super intense, very intense. Psilocybin is very intense sometimes. And it's like, okay, why is this being shown to me? You know, and if people can't get into that mindset and I've had people that I've worked with and they're like, they simply just can't get there yet. And it's like, Hey, we're not going to sit. We're going to do some yeah. more work on the the self-development side of things like habits, behaviors, lifestyle renovation. And then when we are ready to step back in with confidence, then we will step back in if we get to that space, you know, and that's super important. People are running off to the jungle to do ayahuasca yeah. and the shaman, the shamans care and they don't care. Like they're there to facilitate the spirit and the medicine. And they, they are of the awareness that you're, you're
1: arriving, you're ready to go.
0: Not everybody's ready yeah. to
1: go. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your, do you, would you class it as, a, like if you do some sort of ceremony, is that, a, is that a conscious state or an unconscious state? Because there's one thing that I sort of, when I stopped using drugs and alcohol, I was, a lot of the reason was because I wanted to be really conscious in, all, in every sort of small window of time. And one of the things when I hear about psilocybin or ayahuasca that deters me from trying that is that I'm worried that I I fall back to one of them previous vices of being unconscious with like, which is what I liked about like the alcohol or some sort of drug. Is it a, is it a conscious state? Do you think, or is it like a hyper-conscious state, you know, like, or is it an unconscious state?
0: It is the most conscious state that you'll ever be in. And right. the reason that is, is because you have conscious subconscious and unconscious, all at the table and you're presented with life. So if you imagine the book of Courtney Joyce and yeah. this is this is your book, these are all the chapters, and it's like, all right, read your book. And you go back and you read the book and you go, oh, fuck, I didn't know I was holding on to that. Cool. Am I ready to process that? Yes, no. Next chapter. Oh, shit, that. Cool. And when you go through these chapters in a conscious state, because we're reading the unconscious and subconscious chapters, when you wow. go through in that conscious state, um, like Einstein says, You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it, right? The problems we created in our life are no longer the mind we have now. We go in with intention of being like, if I stumble upon this, I will rectify whatever is present. What's cool about this. I call this the river of abundance. Now the river of abundance will flow through freely as long as we don't keep putting logs in it. You keep putting logs in it. They're going to get caught, jam up. You're going to have a blockage in the river.
1: Yeah,
0: And The more you take those logs out, the more the river of abundance can flow. Now, for a lot of people, specifically higher performing people, they've reached a level of success in their professional life. And they're at a point where they're like, I am out of alignment and I don't know why. Like I'm experiencing these things in my relationship. There's no financial stress because they've reached that level of success where they feel stable financially. But it's the old saying of like, yeah, you can make all the money in the world, but when you get to the top of the mountain, who are you going to spend it with? Like everybody's gone, man, you're on your own. Like, And so taking these people, giving them an opportunity to be conscious in their life and rectify the shortcomings that they may have moved past rapidly because they were so hyper focused on the thing and returning back to the space of being like, oh, I can see why my relationship failed is because I was fucking 24 seven working like an animal and I wasn't being with my kids or my wife and all the things. It's like, we can come back to that space. And when we step out of ceremony and they're like, oh, okay. So yeah, I've got a multi-billion dollar company, but my wife left me, my kids hate me. I now know why that happened. So I can show up better now, you know? And the integration piece isn't necessarily work harder, work more and just be aware of it. The integration piece is like, okay, so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to create a way for me to step out of the business and let the business be what it needs to be while releasing control, relinquishing control, so that I can invest more in my role as a father or a husband. And this is just one yeah. example. Yeah, right? Yeah. And that's oftentimes common for general population and high performers because we get so hyper-focused on working day to day just to make ends meet or to chase the dream or to do the thing. And we forget that the reason we're chasing the dream or the purpose that we're chasing is because of this, yeah. you know, for me. Yeah, and I know yeah. for you, my purpose is my children and my
1: family. Yeah. That's
0: my purpose. I want to leave a legacy so that they can grow up in a world that is better than the one that I grew up in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um It's funny, man, because the I had my three boys stayed at their nan's house on Monday night because we had to get up. I had to go to Sydney for a dance concert with my eldest daughter. Right. So we're up, we're on the road at five in the morning. The three youngest one go to Nan and Pops. I went home for work on Monday night, one day afternoon. And it was only my daughter there. And it was like this fucking really weird, eerie feeling. It's like, like emptiness. I'm like the three boys are, and usually it's fucking chaos, right? They're fucking, everyone running around. There's fucking tears there. There's fighting there. Um, And it was like, that's <laughs> healthy household. Normal. It's a very healthy, normal household, right? And, um, yeah. you know, and what I found was like, I'm instantly, I was like, wow, this is, I'm missing the, I, I want that. Like, where's I want. I want that chaos. And when the chaos wasn't there, it instantly reminded me of like, Hey, this is gonna, like, this is gonna be gone one day forever. Like there, this is one night, but like in another 10 years when they're 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and moved out. It's like, that's gone forever. Um, and it was it was interesting because you don't identify it until like you have that you can experience it, and then back there last night and it's fucking chaos again. You're like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you, but you yeah. forget about you forget about both sides of it. Um, yeah, it's pretty gnarly, man. And um, the with the the thing that so with the conscious state that changes a lot for me because I thought that one of the things that would really deter me was that on I didn't want to be unconscious. But what what I'm learning is that. It's the opposite. And it's like you're running at the consciousness. Like you're trying to, you're magnifying your own consciousness.
0: It is. Well, all right, let's play an example, an imaginary game. Let's say that you are a people pleaser. Okay. Yeah. And part of your people pleasing tendencies is 80, it makes up 80% of how you operate in business right now. Okay. And we we go into ceremony with an intention to discover what subconscious patterns or programs are happening below the surface so that conscious Courtney can identify them and work with them. We drop in and you arrive at a space where let's say it's childhood and you're in, and this is a common story, by the way, it's childhood. You're in a household of siblings, parents, dad's like, you know, the, the classic nine to five, putting bread on the table, returns home, expects that mum does all the things. And young Courtney's missing out on all the affection, love, and connection that he needs from both of his parents. And so, as a way to find that, acts out and will do things to either entertain or people please so that he gets that gratification or that validation as a child. Now, over time, that develops into an adult behavior, and we do it as adults. And so, you go into that unconscious program and you discover this, you process the the emotions that were stuck and you're like holy shit i've been holding on to that i feel i feel a lot of sadness i feel a lot of abandonment but i don't feel that anymore and i'm ready to let that go you have a big cry you have a big convulsion you let it go you release we do some body work it's out of your system you come out of ceremony and you go hey well. I had no fucking idea that I'm a people pleaser and I go, oh, cool. Okay. Well, where else is that present in your life right now? And you go, well, right now I'm running X portfolio, Y portfolio, Z portfolio, and the three people that I'm, I'm corresponding with in that I'm doing things out of alignment with myself because I'm people pleasing for them. And now all of a sudden you arrive back at work and you're like, oh shit, this is where I'm people pleasing. And I don't want to do that anymore. Now there's two things that happen. One, the new version of you shows up and goes, "I'm not going to fucking people-please anymore," and all of a sudden you're feeling dissonance in the portfolios that you're running, and the people on the receiving end are like, "Why the fuck aren't you people-pleasing anymore? I need you to do yeah. that. That's that's You've what changed. this relationship's built on. You've changed. I need you to be the person that I need you to be." Yeah. And you either go, "Nope, this is who I am," and the portfolio falls through, or you go, "Hey, look, this is who I am. Um, I notice that these things are out of alignment. Uh, I feel that we should we could be better conversing or corresponding in this way." And they either go yay or nay, and it's going to be what it's going to be. The other side of the coin is that you come out and you go, oh, I'm people pleasing. And you go back to work and you notice it and you're too scared to say something. And they go and they continue to push and signal you to behave in the way that they need you to behave. And now you're out of alignment. You get resentment. And then 10 years down the track, you still have this amazing successful portfolio, but you're like, I fucking hate this. I hate this, yeah. I don't like this person. I don't like who I am because we chose not to speak up. So this yeah. is where I um, and I was, I was on a podcast this morning talking about this, is creating a plan and I said this yesterday, pick your fantasy team, right? Yeah, pick your fantasy team before you go into this uh, healing space, not necessarily psychedelics or medicine, but healing space. Pick it, let them know what you're doing, communicate effectively. So when you come out, they're expecting a 2.0. And they're yeah. not no they're, they're not aware of what it is, but they're expecting a 2.0. And so when you arrive back at 2.0 and they say, Hey, how was it? And you go, Yeah, look, it was it was very intense, but I noticed that I'm a people pleaser, and it was because of my inner child not feeling loved, feeling abandoned. And so I'm choosing to work on that now and I'm going to practice being better at that. And they go, Oh, wow, fantastic. How can I support? This is best case scenario. How can I support? And you go well. This is this is how I'm noticing I'm showing up as a people pleaser right now. Uh, would love your support in this. If we can communicate a bit more effectively, make sure things are aligned here, here, and here. And they go, yeah, of course. Let's let's do that. And the portfolio grows like this, and both yeah. of you are aligned with it. Yeah. Or they go, hey, look, that's nah, I can't I can't do that. And you go, cool, okay, fantastic. Um, how do we create a transition plan where we where we exit and go our own ways? But yeah. it's in the exiting that people struggle. Because the portfolio is the one that pays the rent, pays the bills, pays all the things. And it's like, now I've got to shift and trust that by staying aligned to who I am, I'm going to be safe and cared for, but that's not an easy thing to do.
1: I think that portfolio for me was the coal mine and for you, potentially the military, right? It's like, absolutely. You know, and it's like when you can identify that and it's fucking scary, but like, (laughs) And then you go down that road, and it's like, "Oh, wow! Now I am who I am, and I can, you know, start expressing myself, and it, without being stuck with, to that identity." That do you is. find that, um, like someone will go through like a ceremony, and, and like, is it, and, and I think it ultimately comes down to the environment. But it's like, is that do you typically see someone yield them positive results for three months, three years, forever, or like, it does it cut like, is it sometimes that environment? that is working against who they are as a person or their values, you know, sometimes they might need to drop back in to have like a little recharge. Do you see, is that what you see? Yeah, absolutely. Because it can be
0: tricky to integrate. And so more often than not, uh, the people I work with have life-changing results and long-term, right? And it's in the integration piece that they need guidance. So they either, yes, they can drop back in because sometimes it does help. It does help to drop back in either at a higher dose or more, more days consecutively because they're just stuck on the brink of like punching their head through the threshold to be like, this is who I fucking am. Like this, this is who I am. But even before that, I like to go through, okay, where are you stuck? And for instance, a client recently is like super transformational results and like hyper successful, not an issue with father role, financial role, um, what they're doing in terms of their purpose or anything like that, but the relationship side of things. And they've found themselves back in the identity of being in the relationship that's signaling them to return to the behavior that was prior to the ceremony. And so they may ring and communicate and say, Hey, I'm experiencing this dissonance and this disconnect. This is a scenario. What do you think? And I'm like, okay, let's go through this. And and oftentimes the person who you've now arrived as reflects back to the other person or the environment where the real issue is. Yes, we we are the issue. We are always 50% of the issue because we need to take extreme ownership of who we are and be like, I play a role. I was behaving in this way. It was influencing the chaos that is present right now, but I'm choosing not to be that person anymore. I'm going to show up differently. It's your turn to do the work. Right. Yeah. And so this is where like um, effective nonviolent communication is really, really potent. Um routine and like ceremony in the day. So instead of going back and being like, I now have this new intelligence and wisdom, I'm going to go back into it full throttle, but you forget to wake up an hour early and watch the sun come up and ground and do yeah. your breath work, all the things. Let's go back to that, back to basics. All right. Yeah. You're consuming a bit more alcohol, eating a bit more sugar, low vibration. So we start to dissect all the other elements and we put that into practice and we'll do this prior to going back into ceremony. Because the behaviors do have a tendency to come back through, but it's in the diligence of the human being who's like, I will integrate, I will work no matter what. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to hold you to it, you know, and we're yeah. going to work through it this way. And that's part of the performance optimization piece is optimizing your alignment. It's not come do the medicine you fix, go and have an amazing life. That happens for some people. It's a fairy tale ending, but it does happen but oftentimes not. It doesn't happen yeah, that way. Yeah. Reality is that when you return back to the tribe, they're going to need you to be the person you were before you left. And you're not going to want to be that person. So finding strategic ways of navigating that so that you can be fully aligned with who you
1: are. Yeah. I, um. Have you read, uh, I forget the title exactly, but I think it's like the surfer, the monk or the CEO, the the sur- the, the monk, the surfer, the CEO. Have you read that? No. Um, I'll put in the show notes in this chat, but it's a, and I actually won't sort of talk to it too much because I'll, I'll give a big key part of it away. But it's a really, really powerful book um, because it's telling stories from the perception of three different people: a monk, uh, a CEO of a massive company, and a surfer. Uh, and like, there's a, there's some, yeah, really, really powerful and incredible stories. A lot of which are like sort of triggering me as you're talking at the moment um, because it's these people from all these different places that. Yeah, kind of meet and intertwine. So I'll send you the link personally after this and we'll put it in the show notes for anyone that else wants to. It's a, it's a, I forget the, I forget the author of it, Um, but he's a big, well known author and it's a pretty popular book. So um, yeah, I, I think you'll really, really like it. So you do use, you, you facilitate ayahuasca ceremonies as well, like you personally. Is that a one on one? Is that a small group setting? Is that like, how's that work? One on
0: one, one on one with that. Yeah, because like,
1: Working and with the medicine. Are you completely like you're as a facilitator? What do you do to get in? Like, obviously, it's like a coach, right? Like, what do you do personally to help in that ceremony?
0: So I'll I will go through my own protocol leading into ceremony. Where I'll tr- I'll like reschedule my whole week to make sure yeah. that I'm grounded, protected. Yeah. Because if I don't protect myself energetically, I can start to. Like, take on the energy and trauma of others because I'm channeling. I'm channeling the space for them and I'm working with them hands on, body work, moving energy, shifting energy, talking. So, words carry vibration, listening. And you got to be really conscious the whole way through because oftentimes you can. I'm a very empathic person, and I really resonate with people in a journey of healing because it's like I've been there, I've done that. So it's easy to have compassion and empathy for people that are going through it, and my heart just wants to reach out and take all of their hurt away and help them heal. But at the same time, you you take the fate away from somebody. You know, so as a facilitator, it's important that I I keep myself grounded leading in. I'm not consuming all the things that are going to keep me low vibration. Um, i more or less cast spells for myself to protect myself. I will cleanse my body, cleanse the space and everything is done with intention. So whether I'm consciously and verbally speaking the intention while prepping the ceremony, or I'm doing that subconsciously through a process um and, and, Even during ceremony, I'll make sure I continue to ground, keep coming back out, connecting to the earth, connecting to me, breathing, making sure my nervous system is down-regulated and just really ensuring that my vessel is strong enough to hold the space. That's the priority. If I'm stepping in to open up this sacred space, that's a level of trust and responsibility that humans are giving me. I need to make sure I'm fucking fighting fit to do that for them. So really protecting myself and grounding that every day.
1: Is it um nighttime, daytime, evening morning? like what's it typically like when do you would you typically facilitate or the start of the ceremony?
0: So single days I'll do, we'll start in the morning, usually uh, onboard the medicine around zero nine hundred and it could go for two, three yeah. hours, or it could go for seven to nine hours, depending on the individual and the dose. Um, three day to five day ceremonies we will drop in early and then the micro sessions we'll do in the evening. So uh micro session we did here. So we got here at two forty-five into the Airbnb yeah. and we got into the space. I cleared the space and then we went through a micro dose of psilocybin plus breath work and body work. And the reason I do that is because in that order. Uh, Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the reason I do that we onboard the medicine cause it can take a while to, to settle in go through breath work so that we can regulate and control the nervous system so that we have control and then take you into an alternate state of consciousness so that you can really relax and decompress and then I'll go in and do body work and I'll manipulate soft tissue to release and, and just be open to experiencing because when the medicine hits, man, sometimes going in can be real tricky. It can be really tough and the, the instant thing is to contract because like, oh, shit, shit. So the more we can soften the tissue and work with the tissue, the more we can allow emotion to release, energy to release, and then be in the process. And after soft tissue, go through a bit more breath work, connect with conversation. So connect verbally face-to-face. Second day, we drop into a larger larger ceremony, larger dose, same sort of process. Um, I use instruments to go into ceremony. Um, I'll smudge as well with other... um, uh sand or sage cleanse the area um, i'll go through blessing the medicine with uh, instruments as well so creating resonance that is harmonizing with the environment so that the medicine settling in for the person and i'll use their energy to do that as well and then drop in uh, mask on headphones on all the sensors are closed down so you become more interoceptive so you're inside of yourself not externalizing even though nature can be really nice sometimes, it's it's important to do the inner work yeah. inside,
1: not outside. Yeah, you don't want to hear that one fucking person yell at their dog and then it just, yeah. It just you. Tri- it triggers you, cool. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and so I'll be in and out and I, I'm really good at um, picking up on energy shifts. So if I feel the energy shifts in the room, I'll go in, inquire just energetically. I never speak. I'll go in and inquire uh, energetically. I can use instruments, touch, body work, um scent sometimes can be really good now if the if the person's requesting assistance or support maybe sometimes it's holding up a hand um maybe it's sometimes um supporting their head or their neck or their feet can be really grounding as well because the feet are the things that connect to the ground um, i'll do that and then coming out of ceremony create space to talk ground walk sun uh, get in the elements Some food, usually like to have some fruit. Fruit's really nice because of the flavor that it brings back and the sugars as well. And then um, on the third day, go through uh, breath work, nervous system regulation, and then an integration process. So we'll sit down together and strategically map out what life looks like. So we keep the basics. So when I get phone calls saying, hey, Will, this thing's happening, need your help. I can go, hey, you're doing these things. Oh no, I haven't been doing those things. Okay. Well,
1: let's go yeah. back to those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we go
0: and I ground and close the ceremony.
1: Yeah. Super interesting is um, the, it reminded me of like, um, I remember the first time I ever done ecstasy, right? Like, you know, late teens, early twenties, and, and you're with like peers, typically with people that have done it before. And then you're like, Hey, like I don't, you, there's so much um, anticipation of like what it could be. Am I going to be okay? Is this fucking dangerous? Or like you know, like so much uncertainty, and it's like you're always. But it's really weird. Even well, at least in the settings that well, was around me, it was um, people wanted to help you through that experience. You know, they'll be like, "Hey, I'm not going to do it tonight. I'll fucking just hang with you. You have half. You know, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's interesting to think that like, even like. When you're a late teen, early 20s, especially in, in some certain environments, you're not really, um, you're not typically thinking of like each other, like a lot of the time. And you do hear some really tragic events where, you know, people do go in and, and the, their environment isn't that and they don't fucking ring for help and then they die. Like it happens, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But it was, it was that for me, I remember that first experience. It was like, there was, I was scared almost. It's like, fuck, like this is scary because I'm not sure how I'm going to act and I'm not sure. And I, like, I think probably a little bit of it is um, safety, but also I think probably the, the bigger power is the ego. It's like, Hey, yeah. what happens if I act funny or what happens if I say something silly and then people are going to judge me on that? Or what happens if like all these other things is like, um, and I think a lot of it was like, if I say something silly or I do something silly and then, you know, people just perceive me as that, that person, that fucking, that yeah, I think it was trying to protect myself from embarrassment. Is Do you feel like some of the ayahuasca or psilocybin is like people trying to protect or their ego trying to protect them from embarrassing or saying something funny or talking in tongues or like just weird things like, or, or different things like that?
0: So that's, that's one part of the conscious mind that you just like ego takes a backseat. Specifically with psilocybin and ayahuasca, like you lose all consideration... You really? lose all consideration for what you care about. You're so wow. focused on the real healing that you're like, ha, my ego tried to make me think that I would care about what someone would think about me. And you're like, you just laugh yeah. at it. It's so funny. But it's funny you use that example.
1: Do you hold on to that mostly? Like, do you hold on to that feeling mostly? Yeah, oh, wow. It's powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, then, and you notice it in people. I can tell in people that have sat with medicines because the way they walk and carry themselves is like, I don't give a fuck about what you think about me. I'm, I am who I am. And it's like you can yeah. see it and it's very powerful and I love it. And when I see it, common at festivals, like music festivals, it's common there. And when I see it, I'll um I'll stop and I'll say, hey, you open to a hug? And they'll be like, yeah. And then we'll hug and I'll be like, I see you. I see you. And they're yeah. like, they fully receive it because they know. And what's cool about the experience you just said actually with um, ecstasy is um, you know, I've been at Bushdorf some festivals before and you see people that are on MDMA or MDA or ecstasy or whatever, and they're, they've got trisma. So they're, they're clenching their jaw, chewing their teeth, and it's a common thing that people talk about.
1: Yeah, And,
0: and you see it regularly. What I really love to do is when I'm walking, I may I may be on MDMA myself, maybe, don't know, but I'm walking around and I'll see someone doing it and I'll go over and be like, you doing all right? And they'll be like, yeah, having a great time. And you can see right through it because they're just trying to be something that they're not. Mm like do you want to sit down for a minute yeah okay give them some water can i massage your jaw for you and they'll be like uh yep and i've I've been in spaces before i'll just sit there in the middle of everybody and i'll just be massaging someone's jaw or face and they'll go oh thank you sure man have a good time you know have a good time so that's cool cool.
1: um and you're totally right mate because it's when you talk about like a, it's um evident in music festivals and things like that where people expressing themselves and they don't give a fuck like they'll wear fucking a rainbow headband and a fucking skirt like um
0: yeah
1: yeah and society um uh, do you know the the young was harry garside um the boxer um huh. i forget his last name he he is a boxer i uh, fought in the olympics recently he just good dude he's very um expressive Young, full of tattoos, in a boxing, very masculine sport. But he paints his nails and wears dresses. And society, especially in Australia, society are like, fucking look down on him. He gets fucking heaps of hate on online. But he's, he's a very conscious person. Um, he just done that, um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And he's, like, having really ah. meaning, meaningful conversations, like, on fucking Channel 7. Um, and, yeah, like, he's, a, he's an amazing experience. Uh, example of like a young very conscious Aussie male that's in a uh, very masculine dominated environment that is he's expressing who he is as a person and, and is like if I paint my nails doesn't mean doesn't make me any fucking less of a man like um and yeah I see that too when people they're looked at like weirdos right that's like society so that guy's a fucking weirdo because he's wearing a fucking silicone vest and he's got fucking doc martens on and it's 90 degrees out here or whatever um and yeah there's another guy that that sort of reminded me there's a guy named alex waters he's from wa he'd just moved to know. he's got the same businesses as do you really so yeah uh, yeah the i connected with him like from a just through instagram right and then he has the same business as what i have and then we're just in each other's dms just talking and he's another really cool representation because i've been able to watch him transform almost and become himself and and he's very open and honest as well he's like still trying to figure it out um but he's a great example of him being like genuinely he fucking wears rainbow clothes and like that's who he is and he does a lot of plant medicine
0: honestly like most those people you're talking about especially the box art, they've either one done psychedelics or two raised by parents that have that usually that is the common thing like yeah and for for example you take uh when i was training for the run i went up to bundy to see my parents and maddie and i were running together for like heaps right we were running together every day now in bundy it's a very country boganish town and then you see maddie and i two dudes covered in ink both of our nails painted both wearing like headbands whatever And you stop and talk to us and we have deeper, meaningful conversations. Now, one, I've done plant medicines and psychedelics. So I am who I am because of those things. Maddie was raised by parents who are very open to life and creating autonomy in life. Don't know if they've done psychedelics at all, but very genuine down to earth people who have nurtured that part of Maddie. So Maddie feels super confident in who he is, just the way I do, just from two different experiences. But you got two masculine men yeah. running around with nails painted short yeah. shorts covered in ink whatever don't care yeah,
1: yeah, you know yeah yeah and i think even um i actually stayed. i'd done a, a caravan trip up the east coast of australia before my eldest daughter went to kindergarten and we spent three months on the road and we stopped at bagara which is where like maddie's hometown right and it was like yeah. out of all the places that i went to uh, that place stuck out to me and there was another little town called red rock um them two places stuck out to me, but Bagara this was a, a very amazing place. Um, Stunning, and eh? Then, yeah, and again, like I, knew, I started connecting with Maddie through, uh, like I met you guys sort of a similar time. Yeah. Um, again, four kids, four kids, four kids. Like we all fucking do similar crazy shit. Like we all have the similar conversations. We all like it's amazing. Um, and the and I think even he, I don't know his background fully, but I think like my coal mining, your military, he was in the police force. Like, and he's just yeah. sort of transitioning out of, you know, and now he can't, it's very, it would be very, I actually don't think it would happen. Like, Maddie can't be Maddie if he had fucking a blue uniform on. Like, they just wouldn't accept that, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, for him to be who he is, he has to go and do these things. And I'm actually excited because he's obviously overseas at the moment. I'm excited for him to come back after having that experience um, and then be able to because I imagine his life is here. He comes back from that experience where he is right now after doing that run that he's just done. And then he just fucking catapults himself into the fucking move, And he's going to be even, even, you know, an even better version of himself.
0: Absolutely, um, man.
1: Yep. The, this has been so, so interesting to me. I think that I reckon we fucking kick off, like just continue it from next week because there's still so many questions that I uh, would love to sort of learn and, and know about. Even for me, it's like, the biggest thing for me is like, um, the biggest thing that I'm excited about is that I didn't think that it was like a hyper-conscious state. I thought that it was almost like a vice, and that's why I was always deterred away from it. Um, yeah. Because I I take pride in like not having them vices, but it's not that. I think that's it's ego to say that um, that there's not something key that could help. Yeah. Do
0: you know, there's there's one there's a specific person that I attract to this work, and the only addiction they take away from this this work. Is they get addicted to self-development. They get yeah, addicted, wow. not addicted to the medicine. They get addicted to coming back and being like, How can I level up here? How can I yeah. level up here? And I just see so much success in life, not even professionally. Just like, you know, one buddy's he's messaged me, he's like, Man, I feel so connected to my son, and this is amazing. And I'm like wondering how I can be more in his life. And I'm like, talk to him, talk to him, you know.
1: That um I remember when, when I stopped drinking, I started smoking like I I moved to and was smoking a heap of weed. Right. And I was like that. And then, but, but I had to be careful because that was becoming my new alcohol. I was Mm -hmm. like, and then when I smoked weed, I was like my diet would go out the window. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I think some people can use marijuana, but like, not me, like, it's not a tool for me. I don't think. Um, And, but what I did find is that when I was high or smoked marijuana, in a course with my wife or like and i think it's like a lot of drugs right it's just fucking out of control like just the connection that you have is like all i want to do is please you it's got nothing to do with me i just want to please you yeah And when you're high especially on marijuana um is yeah like your level of conscience towards that other person is like you don't get that um it's not a it's not a it's not a state that you can reach like just being yourself um or maybe you can get it through breath work and some yoga and some things like that but um not not as fast as fucking smoking a bit of weed and then having like just want to please that person it's pretty special it's
0: very acute with working with medicines like that and it's you can get there outside of it but it's like using the medicine having the experience and then being conscious enough to go shit why don't we do this all the time and because Cass and i've done this right and it's why don't we do this all the time and uh one brief example before we go here one christmas it was about three years ago um I had all my kids there. No, must have been two years ago because Willow was here. And I had all my kids there and I took half a tab of acid on Christmas, Christmas morning. I didn't, I wasn't drinking. I don't drink. Yeah. I'm like, half a tab of acid. Man, I spent six hours opening presents and being on the floor with my children. And they're like, they were just like, we were connected. I understood them. I was there. I was I was just like, why don't I do this all the time? And from <laughs> that very, that very day moving forward, I was like, I know how to be a dad now. You know, yeah. I know how to be a
1: dad. Yeah. Wow. That's fucking gangster. Right. Righto. Part two next week. We've got to fucking keep this chat going, my man. All right, bro. Thanks, bro. You have a wonderful day. You Peace. too, man. Peace out. See you. With Bye.